0: Go ahead and have a seat. Good morning, Anthem. Hey, good morning, Harvest. (laughs) Hey, um, obviously we're doing things a little differently uh, this morning, but before we get started, I just wanted to tell you, Anthem Church, uh, how privileged you are to have this man as your preacher and pastor. Um,
1: And uh, and Brent's okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, but... (laughs) Thanks, Josiah. No, uh, uh, I'm thankful for him. I, I think uh, he is a closer, better brother to me in this community, and there's not a pastor in town that I look up to more than I do Bert, so uh, really thankful for that you guys are with us this morning.
1: Thanks, man. I, I Honestly, I just, uh, not to-, to placate, but Harvest, you guys have a- an epic man leading you, an epic team of elders leading you guys. So thankful for our relationship. It's fun to be able to do stuff together. Um, It sends an amazing signal to our city that we're willing to throw in together for stuff like this, and and I love being a part of it. It's good stuff. So for Christmas Eve, obviously, we're doing something a little different. Um, Bert
0: and I are up here because we want to share with you what the Lord's been doing in our hearts this Advent series. So uh, maybe not so preachy, uh, but more conversation, Uh, same Bible, uh, same Holy Spirit at work. Uh, no question on that, uh, but maybe just a little different opportunity for us to uh, to gather around uh, God's Word. More more like sitting in the living room and talking about Jesus. Sound, sound good? Right.
1: So if you have a Bible, open up to Luke chapter 2. Open up to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be reading a portion of chapter 2 this morning. And throughout history, we, we get little glimpses here and there of God's attitude towards, towards us, sometimes explicitly, sometimes a little bit under the radar. We get answers to questions like, who does God want to bless? How does he show his heart, his will, his purpose? And the birth of Jesus is one of those great moments in history that we get to see God's heart for humanity. God wants us He's on a mission to redeem, to reconcile, to heal, to restore humanity and all creation. And the birth of Jesus is one of those massive signs, if not the biggest massive sign that God, he has not written us off, right? He has not written us off, but he is pursuing us. He has not forgotten his creation, but rather humanity is still that, that central focus of his redemptive work. And that's cause for celebration. That's why today in our Advent readings, today is rejoice. We want it to culminate, culminate with rejoicing in our salvation together. And written into the story of Jesus' birth is a picture of God's true desire, a powerful statement of, of who God wants in his kingdom and the types of people he goes after. And to, So Luke, uh, Brent is going to read a portion of, of Luke, and I want you to pay attention to, to where this part of the story focuses in on
0: Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in a manger, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them. The shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all. Had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days he was circumcised. He was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, so, Bert, tell them what we were talking about earlier this week uh, and what we've been learning about, because this, this uh, our time together, we're, we're looking at the shepherds, and uh, we want to learn this lesson, Who, uh, how the Lord wants to speak to us through the shepherds. So tell me, t- talk to us about what we were talking about earlier this
1: week. Ever wondered why the angels appeared to the shepherds? They're, they're kind of a peculiar group, and, and these people who come to this Messiah, and, and that piqued our, our curiosity. And and so we, we we dug up something from a 19th century Jewish Christian scholar called Alfred Edersheim, and he helped really shine some light on on what was so significant about these sheep and these shepherds, and it has some particular implications for you and I. So bear with me for for just a second. But he he posits that the shepherds and the sheep to whom the angels revealed this good news near Bethlehem were no ordinary shepherds and sheep. And he writes, and I quote: "It's behind me if you want to read the quote, that the Messiah was to be born in." Bethlehem was a settled conviction among those who were expecting the Messiah. He means, equally, so was the belief that he was to be revealed from Migdal Ader, or which translates to the Tower of Ader, the Tower of the Flock. Now, this has some scriptural significance that we can trace back if we had a longer time this morning, but I'll give you the very brief version. So, a lot of us are familiar with some of the messianic prophecies in the Old Testament from people like Isaiah and Micah. And so we might be familiar with uh, this one in Micah chapter 5. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, and the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel." And he shall stand and, and shepherds his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. And we have these really explicit fore- foretelling of the Messiah that's to come, and, and even giving us hints like his, his location and the kind of people who will be around, but a little subtler would be the chapter before in Micah chapter four where we find another clue about this Messiah, indicating that the Messiah would be revealed from the tower of the flock. Look at verse 8 in Micah chapter 4. And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come, the former dominion shall come, kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. We can go back a little bit into Genesis and, and see as well. There's great significance to this particular area called the Tower of the Flock. This is no ordinary sheep ground for ordinary sheep. And this place near Bethlehem on the road to Jerusalem, it was different and it was special. And he continues, and you can put the rest of that quote up. A passage in the Mishnah leads to the conclusion that the flocks which pastured there were destined for temple sacrifices. The sheep were no ordinary sheep. They were destined for temple sacrifices. And accordingly, that the shepherds who watched over them were not ordinary shepherds. These shepherds were under the ban of rabbinism on account of their necessary isolation from religious ordinances and their manner of life, which rendered strict legal observance unlikely, if not absolutely impossible. Okay, so these men, I know that's a little dense, but track with me. These men who watched the sheep meant for the slaughter for the temple were excluded from the Jewish religious life. And they received a divine message about the ultimate lamb who would take away the sins of the world through his death and resurrection. Do you see the irony with these shepherds and the sheep?
0: Right, so, so we like to make things simple because um, the pastor isn't that smart, I don't know. Uh, so just just what we're saying here is is that these shepherds were not only normal outcasts because they were shepherds, but they were extraordinarily outcasts because um, the sheep that they were raising were, existed that would be, would be the sheep that would be used in temple sacrifices all year long. And even though they were raising sheep for worship to the Lord... They as shepherds were excluded from worship because of the rabbinic law. Because the old testament law said that these shepherds were unclean and they couldn't be in the temple grounds and they couldn't worship the Lord. And so that that's just it's it's an absurdity. Yeah. It's a it's an absolute ridiculous idea that the the law, the even the old testament sacrificial system, uh it didn't work. It was broken because the shepherds who raised the sheep couldn't partake in worship because they raised the sheep. And, and so there was this inner contradiction and, and this, this idea, who better to know that a better sacrifice was necessary yeah. than the shepherds? Yeah. Outcasts uh, weren't, didn't get to worship the Lord in, in the temple. They, they understood how unworthy they are. They, they were. They understood um, how necessary a better sacrifice is. Was. And so it's so striking to me that these people, these are the people who God announced the birth of his son to first. He didn't go to the religious people. He didn't go to the people who were uh, faithful and going to church. He didn't go to all those types of people. He went to these men, outcasts, religious outcasts, unable to fulfill the law, knew that they were broken, knew that they needed to sacrifice. These are the guys who got the choir. And that's so important. Because there are so many of you here this morning, perhaps you you've come to a christmas service uh and and this is just kind of that annual thing that annual touch that you do you remember going to Christmas service with your grandmother, right but ever since then you've realized you you are not your grandmother right you you didn't live like her, you don't have candies in the little tray in the coffee table like her right you're you didn't you're not as nice as she was, and so you think well christianity that's that thing that my grandmother could do but I'm unworthy. I'm an outcast. And the, the Christmas message for you is that God came to seek and save that which is lost. And Christ came first for those shepherds who felt disconnected, who felt that they could never be a, a part of something bigger, who, who, were, who knew that they had no other hope anywhere else but in a coming promised sacrifice through Christ. And, and so that, that's why this shepherd thing is so important for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were unclean, banished men. They would have not been able to walk in the temple, but God came to them. It's truly profound. It's a really, a really simple interaction, but it's incredibly profound if we think about our lives. That even in, in the subtle moments, the forgotten moments, that God chooses to remind us that his grace for, is for everyone. And not just for everyone, because that can be an easy distancer, but for, for you hmm. and for me that God has not forgotten you, that he is pursuing you. God's grace is for everyone. God doesn't look at us the same way we look at ourselves. We can sometimes view God through our own personal lens and assume he sees things the same way we do, and that's simply not true. He doesn't see you the same way you see yourself. He doesn't see other people the same way you see other people. We tend to think of all the reasons why we, or, or sometimes... More often, the people around us are, are disqualified or, or don't deserve God's grace. And our perspective is usually that, that we or others are, are, are too damaged, that we have too much of a history, that we have done too much wrong right. to be truly used by God. And God does not think that way. To introduce the most important announcement in the history of the world, God took a host of angels to a group of shepherds that had lost their place in society. that that were isolated from the religious life of their people. They had resigned themselves to being forgotten in this world, and God chose to go to them. On that most significant night, God reached out to these shepherds and gave them the opportunity to bear witness to the miraculous birth of Jesus the Christ. They went to the manger, they saw the Messiah, and they went back to their duties glorifying and praising God. God. They had seen something incredible. His message, his grace, his hope is truly for everyone. God's desire is to bring light to the world through Jesus, to the world and to you and I. And, and so that's where this becomes personal for
0: all of us, because um, it might not be so easy for us. You might not want to think of yourself as a shepherd who's isolated, cut off, and and can't knows that he has no hope in the law or being a good person, but... But there's, there's great freedom in seeing yourself as the shepherd for whom Christ came. That's good. Okay? There's great freedom and there's great hope in identifying yourself as the person for whom church attendance isn't going to be good enough. Uh, I'm too broken. I'm too outcast. There's great hope. And here's the hope. Okay? John chapter 1 says this. In Christ was life. life was, and that the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness... And the darkness has not overcome it. Here, here's the hope of Christmas and Advent. And if seeing yourself as the shepherd is that darkness uh, cannot overcome the light. Okay, we darkness is um, in this passage. It's just a metaphor for hiding. Okay, John 3:19 it says this is the judgment light has come into the world men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil in other words we like to hide we like to not show who we really are we we like to pretend that we don't think the things we do at night or uh, act the way we do and feel hatred towards people the way we do we like to just bottle that up and we pretend we come uh, on come to church at christmas time and we dress up all nice and we like to pretend that we're not these people who are broken who are outcasts who are lost and yet we we know it but here's the great hope of the gospel and the great hope of jesus christ being the light of the world jesus has outed every single one of us okay this is the hope come into the light step out of the darkness stop hiding the great hope and great freedom of advent of christ of christmas is that each and every one of us get to stop pretending that everyone else's sin everyone else's sins are worse than ours and that they cause all the problems that we have we can just acknowledge hey look it's here it's in me i'm the shepherd i need a better sacrifice I need hope through Christ. And we don't have to play the game of destroying all the people around us because they have to be the cause of all of our sins. We don't have to hurt and destroy one another. We don't have to hide any longer in our rooms in the darkness and pretending to be something we're not. Jesus is light. And so when we come to Him, we step into the acknowledgement that we're shepherds, that we're hopeless without Jesus, that we're cut off, and that being a good person isn't enough for us. That we need hope a greater sacrifice. And, and that's the hope of Christmas. That's why this is such an exciting time. Um, God wants everyone to experience this freedom through the grace that comes in the Gospel. Jesus, the light of the world, walk away from the darkness. And that's why Christmas is celebration. It's not the gifts. It's not the time with family. It's not the, you know, the days off of work or out of school. Those are great. But... Christmas is a time of rejoicing because Christ has outed every single one of us out of the darkness and as we step into Christ, we get freedom in acknowledging that we're sinners in need of a Savior.
1: Come on. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is is no matter what your relationship with Jesus looks like, whether you're you're a veteran following Jesus for for decades and decades or you got dragged here by family... (laughs) Uh, that may be true for some of you. God, or reality, trick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the reality is God, God wants you. Like, he doesn't just put up with you. He, he wants you. You're desirable to the Father. God wants you to experience his grace through Jesus, the light and the hope of the world. He wants you to repent. He wants you to experience full forgiveness. He wants you to leave here changed more into the image of Jesus today than yesterday God chose to reveal the good news of Jesus's birth to lowly outcasts, demonstrating his pursuit and grace for you and me and all of humanity so why why rejoice why do we land on, on this theme of rejoicing for today for Christmas Eve We rejoice because God wants us He wants you and me not because of anything you've done not because of how awesome you think you are or not because of everything you haven't done but because he created you and you're desirable to him. Our response is to rejoice because we have been pursued. We have been shown grace. And in Jesus, we have life and salvation, and we are brought into God's redemptive plan for all creation. And that is the best possible news. To zoom out just for a moment beyond our our lives, our, our 80 or 90 or 100 years here on this earth, our family, our workplace, and to see that we are swept into the greater story of God is truly good news. That's why over and over in the Psalms, we're told to rejoice in our salvation. Look at Psalm chapter 9. That I may recount all your praises that in the gates of the daughter of Zion, I may rejoice in your salvation. Chapter 13, but I have trusted your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Psalm 35, verse 9, then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation. And in 51, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Do you think the psalmist is trying to tell us something? Hmm. Rejoice in your salvation. There are a great many things to be thankful for, to celebrate, to rejoice. This is at the core of it.
0: So here's your pathway to joy this Advent. Okay, it's not, not the gifts, not getting that thing that you've been wishing for but haven't had the boldness to buy yourself. Okay. It's, not, uh, it's not hope for peace during uh, all these family reunions. Uh, it's not just time off of work or end of year bonus or any of that. Um, your pathway to joy this Advent is in this thing we call in Christianity, Confession. Okay, that's step one, confession. Confession simply means to uh, agree with God. It's not some spiritual, like, oh, get into a room and sit there and talk to an empty screen. It, it, when, when we confess, what that means is that we're going to agree with God about two things. About who we are, we're the shepherds. Okay, We're the shepherds, we're the cut-off ones, we need a savior. Uh, that's who I am. We're going to step out of that darkness and just find the freedom in that confession. And we're going to agree with God who we are. And we're going to agree with God for the second thing is who Christ is. Okay? We're going to confess who Christ is. Christ is the Savior, the, the hope of the world. Christ is the one that was promised who would come and bring peace uh, between us and God and humanity itself. He is the Savior, the Messiah, the one who uh, we receive joy from. He is life, He is light. He is the hope of the world. And and so that confession of who we are and that confession of who Jesus is is going to lead us to a third thing. It's going to lead us to um, a repentance and a turning towards Christ. That's turning away from uh, the way we were living for ourselves, thinking happiness and joy is found in these things and it's turning towards obedience and the serving and acknowledging and living for Jesus Christ Savior and Lord. And that's and that's where our joy comes from, okay? and it's so countercultural. It's so against everything that you thought. You think, um, well, if I could just blame other people for my problems, uh, then I'll, I'll find some peace. No, that's not where peace comes from. It comes from confessing. Oh, if I could just be Lord of my life, and I could just rule over my own schedule and my own destiny, and my plans could become the thing that that would. That's where joy is. No, no, joy comes with following Christ. As Lord, and, and no, if I could just, if I could live for myself and I could do things my way, no, that's that's not where joy is. Joy is turning away from those things and living for something greater, something valuable, something more worthy of worship than you. It's what you were created for. No wonder you haven't found joy in anything else. No, one, no wonder it's never lasted. No long wonder there's always been a ticking time clock to the thankfulness you've had for everything you've ever received under the tree because Jesus, the Son of God, come to the earth to be the Messiah is the one that is worthy of eternal affection, joy, and rejoicing in, and everything else fails. That's your steps. Confessing who we are, confessing who Christ is, turning away from us, and turning towards Him, and... That's where true joy comes from. That's why the shepherds were wondering and amazed. That's why they ran to Bethlehem. That's why they stood in front of a baby in a manger and worshipped. Because they were freed from their hiding and their darkness. They found hope in the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And they found a reason to turn away from what they were doing and
1: living for Him. That's Christmas. That's Advent. Bring it. Would you guys pray with me? Father, as we process this, as we wonder at all you've done, as we, we consider just the path forward of, of confession and, and turning towards you and, and living in the freedom that you purchased for us, we need your help. We, we cannot do this on our own. And so, Holy Spirit, would you be at work and our minds and our hearts bending it towards you, away from the things of this world. And God, would this Christmas, would we find real freedom? Would we quit looking to ourselves for joy and satisfaction? Would we quit looking for, to stuff for our joy and satisfaction? But would we find our, our ultimate satisfaction in you? Father, would you teach us, as churches here in Ventura, what it means to, to revel and to marvel and to behold our joy and our salvation? Would you help us enlarge our view of your story to see all that you've done to bring us into your family, all that you've done to pursue us, all that you've done to to love us, and would we marvel at all you've done? God, would our response be worship? Would it be rejoicing? Would it be celebration? Would we walk out of here with smiles on our faces because of all you've done? Farah, empower us to see you so much bigger than we ever have before. We do pray that this Advent season has enlarged our view of you. And so we need you to help inch this along. We need you to help cultivate better hope in our life, confession and repentance, finding our joy in you. We need you. But first and foremost, we say, as two churches gathered here, we're ready for it. And as we take a few minutes to respond, would you be at work in our hearts? Mm -hmm. We're ready. We want the change that you bring. And so would you bring it as we respond to what you've already done? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship together.